Hi, I'm Hannah Smay, host of the Wild Idaho podcast, coming to you from the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the lands you love. Each month, the Wild Idaho podcast will explore a topic, current event, or issue related to Idaho's environment. Join us to learn about the work we're doing and how you can get involved. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Wild Idaho podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm very excited to share this episode with you. Today's episode is all about the Kilgore Project, a proposed gold exploration project located in eastern Idaho in the Centennial Mountains. The Centennials are a very special place, cresting the Continental Divide and home to a rich array of wildlife, including grizzly bears, lynx, Yellowstone cutthroat trout, wolverine, whitebark pine, and many others. Joining me today in conversation are Josh Johnson, ICL's Central Idaho Conservation Associate, and Allison Mikalski, the Idaho Conservation Associate with the Greater Yellowstone Coalition. But also, in addition to my conversation with Josh and Allison, I am delighted to be sharing the words of two incredible writers who have shared with Idaho Conservation League two amazing pieces written about the landscape of the Centennial Mountains and the Centennial Valley. First, we'll hear from Lauren Camp. Lauren Camp reads her poem, Reckoning, which has been published in Split Rock Review. Lauren is the author of five books, most recently Took House. Her poems have appeared in Ecotone, Witness, Poet Lore, Western Humanities Review, and other journals in the U.S. and abroad. Her work has been recognized with the Dorset Prize, finalist citations for the Arab American Book Award and the New Mexico Arizona Book Award, and fellowships from Black Earth Institute and the Taft Nicholson Center. Lauren's poems have been translated into Mandarin, Turkish, Spanish, and Arabic, and I encourage you to visit her website at laurencamp.com. And then we will hear Headwaters, a piece written by Gretchen Henderson. Gretchen Henderson writes across the arts, humanities, and sciences to integrate creative and critical practices. She is the author of four books of nonfiction and fiction, as well as poetic and art media works. Her writings have appeared in Plowshares, The Kenyan Review, Ecotone, The Iowa Review, Southern Review, Denver Quarterly, Brevity, and many other publications. Some of her recent fellowships include the Annie Clark Tanner Fellowship from the University of Utah and Writers Residencies from the Jan Mikalski Foundation for Writing and Literature in Switzerland and the Taft Nicholson Center for Environmental Humanities in the Centennial Valley. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. So stick around for Lauren Camp's reading of her poem, Reckoning, followed by my conversation with Josh and Allison. And then we will close out the episode with a reading by Gretchen Henderson of her piece, Headwaters. Reckoning. When it became clear the world would continue, others would cull, cook, drive nails, run serum to veins, spray weeds, peel and measure, trawl and scrape, would blast and repair broken bridges. While I was a mess of exhaustion, I left, 
right out of it, came three days indirect to where fish circuit in silence for a long time in the pond. Birds skate leaves, getting fat on fruit. The fish shift. I am lucky to watch them. All that exists is the rapture of turning. Or rather, ours not rushing. The light pitches the same field I hiked in. I lie into it, feel the soft give where my feet make their shape. Empty doesn't have to be a loss, maybe a simple form of beginning. Above the greedy raptors circle and drift, nothing between us but dandelions leaping on their long stems. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Wild Idaho podcast. I'm your host, Hannah, and I'm here with our guests, Josh Johnson and Allison Mikalski. Josh works at ICL as the Central Idaho Conservation Associate, and Allison works with the Greater Yellowstone Coalition, a group dedicated to protecting the lands, waters, and wildlife of the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem, now and for future generations. Thanks to both of you for being here. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for having us. Hey, Hannah. Good to be here. Today, we're talking about the Kilgore Project, a gold exploration proposal located in the Centennial Mountains in eastern Idaho. ICL and GYC are concerned that the gold exploration activities, including road construction and drilling, will have severe impacts to wildlife and water quality in the area. Before we dive a little deeper into the specific species and waterways that would be impacted by gold exploration, Josh, um, would you be able to walk our listeners through the nuts and bolts of the exploration proposal and why ICL is working on this issue? Sure thing, Hannah. So people have been looking for gold in the Centennial Range in eastern Idaho for a long time now. Um, the latest uh, efforts to look for gold have been done by Canadian mining companies, Otis Gold, which was then bought by another Canadian company, Exxon Resources. Um, and they had a series of drilling exploration activities uh, happening in the latter part of uh, the decade. But now uh, they're proposing to do expanded drilling exploration in that same area around Kilgore. Um, so the current proposal calls for 130 drill sites and about 10 miles of new road um, in the Kilgore area, again, looking for gold resources that they would, would hope to develop eventually, um, potentially with an open pit cyanide heap leach mine. Thank you, Josh, for that background. Allison, what would you like to add to, to that background? And will you tell us a little bit about why Greater Yellowstone Coalition is working on this issue as well? Sure. So, Exelon's intensive five-year road construction and drilling program that's proposed by the Kilgore Gold Exploration Project would degrade vital habitat for fish, for wildlife, and for plants in and around the project area, including a number of threatened or sensitive species such as grizzly bear, Canada lynx, white bark pine, and Yellowstone cutthroat trout. The Centennial Range and surrounding foothills are a complex and interconnected area. They're home to many sensitive species located upstream of Camas National Wildlife Refuge 
and located at the headwaters of the Snake River Aquifer. So impacts to the area could and will likely be far-reaching. We like to say this just isn't a good place for a gold mine, and it's also not a good place for gold mining exploration. We feel that the U.S. Forest Service owes it to the public to really slow down and invest in a more thorough review of the project proposal and also conduct a complete environmental analysis like an environmental impact statement before considering approval for the Kilgore project, including developing an, an alternative to Exelon's proposal that is significantly more protective of the area's lands, waters, and wildlife. Thank you, Allison. That's super helpful to hear. Um, and before we dive into some of the specifics, again, I want to just orient our listeners to where exactly this project proposal is. And so Josh or Allison, um, could you just give us a sense of like where this project is? Sure. So Kilgore is about 80 miles north of Idaho Falls um, in the east-west Centennial Range. Uh, and this project area, um, is a, as Allison had mentioned previously, is a pretty important area for wildlife and for water. Um, so we've got the headwaters of the eastern Snake Plain Aquifer. Um, it's just upstream from the Camas National Wildlife Refuge. Um, and these streams are, are really important for fish and wildlife throughout this region. And so what I'm hearing is that there are two like main concerns with this current proposal, right? One is impacts to wildlife um, and the other is impacts to water. And so I'd love to dive deeper into both of those concerns and some of the specifics there. And so Allison, do you wanna start us off by giving us a um, kind of a deep dive into the ways that this Kilgore um, exploration proposal or this, um, this gold exploration proposal will impact wildlife? Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, so two of the primary wildlife species that we feel will likely be impacted by this exploration project are grizzly bear and lynx, which are both um, afforded threatened status under the Endangered Species Act. So grizzly bears are an Endangered Species Act designated threatened species currently found on the Targhee National Forest. And although there have been no radio, radio collar locations of grizzly bears within the draft environmental assessments analysis area, there are known grizzly bears in and around the project area. Um, we feel that the project area is important grizzly bear habitat and grizzly bear would likely be impacted by the noise from the drilling, by road construction, by personnel occupancy up there. So we disagree with the draft DA's assertion that mineral exploration activities are not likely to adversely affect grizzly bears. Um, the main measures of grizzly bear impacts that we're looking at are, one, the amount of secure habitat removed by road construction to facilitate mineral exploration, two, the presence of radio collared grizzly bears present in the project area, and three, the quality of habitat for grizzly bears within the project area. 
The draft EA proposes an alternative that would reduce secure grizzly bear habitat by a total of 606 acres. And within those 606 affected acres, grizzly bears will be subject to impacts from drilling operations, road improvements, road construction, and vehicle activities. The other threatened species that we're really concerned about impacts to are Canada lynx. Canada lynx are also an Endangered Species Act designated threatened species currently found on the Targhee National Forest. And although there are no reliable observations of lynx in the Dubois District, according to the draft environmental assessment, there are known observations of lynx in and around the project area. And in fact, the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem has a long history of lynx presence that may or may not be consistent according to supporting documents in the project record. Um, the Dubois Ranger District is designated as a secondary lynx area, which is really important for lynx dispersal and habitat until they return to their more core or primary areas. The draft EA concludes that mineral exploration activities may affect but are not likely to adversely affect lynx. But we believe that the proposed alternative would very likely adversely affect lynx. The measures for impacts to Canada lynx are one, the amount of lynx habitat removed by road construction to facilitate mineral exploration, and two, the likelihood of presence of lynx in the project area. Here, the proposed alternative will remove up to 24 acres of lynx habitat up to 24 acres of primary and secondary vegetation that lynx rely on, approximately 1.2 acres of vegetation that isn't primary or secondary that contributes to linkage habitat. And we'll also see the construction of 9.9 .9 miles of new road that intersect with primary and secondary vegetation for lynx. Some of the other wildlife species that will be likely impacted by project activities are the American three-toed woodpecker, which is designated as sensitive, boreal owls, which are also designated as sensitive, Columbia sprouted frogs, which are designated as sensitive, great gray owls, which are designated as sensitive, and other species that don't necessarily have sensitive designations under the ESA, but are also important like migratory birds and elk. Thank you, Allison. Yeah, this area is such a rich interconnected ecosystem with all, you know, it's a very important wildlife corridor. And so in addition to the impacts that this exploration proposal um, or, or these proposed exploration activities would have on these numerous wildlife species, there's also um, impacts to water quality. And so, Josh, will you give our listeners a sense of what those impacts would be? Sure thing, Hannah. So in an area like Kilgore, um, where there's clearly gold and other precious metals, um, we've had a lot of mineralization in, the, in this area geologically. That means that um, there's a lot of heavy metals like arsenic and things like that, that could easily get in the waterways if uh, things are disturbed. 
the problem at Kilgore is that going into this potential drilling expansion, uh, the Forest Service and Otis Gold do not have a good idea of what the baseline water quality conditions are before drilling. And this thing is actually really important because uh, given that these areas can have a lot of natural variability in terms of the water quality, we want to be able to know if the drilling activities are indeed causing water quality impacts if and when they start to drill. And so if we don't have a very good baseline um, before they start drilling, once they get underway, it's really hard to know what the impacts are and how to stop them. Um, so that's one thing is to really improve the baseline water quality data that we have across the whole project area uh, for both groundwater and surface water. Uh, one of the issues that's linked to water quality is the health of various fish species, including Yellowstone cutthroat trout, which is a sensitive species. Federal court recently found in their prior um, environmental assessment by the Forest Service uh, that they had not good enough idea of what impacts there might be to those Yellowstone cutthroat trout in terms of water quality. And so we're concerned that as drilling operations get underway, impacts to water quality could affect the sensitive fish species in the limited habitat they still have left in the Centennial Range. And Josh, can you talk a little bit more about the Snake River Aquifer and how this project might have impacts downstream um, on the is it the Camas Creek watershed and the Camas National Wildlife Refuge, and then the drinking water and irrigation water downstream? Sure. So this is something that we're particularly concerned about in the in the longer term of of this project. So this you know initial exploration proposal it could definitely have impacts to water quality locally, um, and then you know we know that there's potential impacts further afield the more and more um, involved. Uh, this mining company gets on the site. You know, if they were to go all the way through to building an open pit cyanide heap leach gold mine um, with a lot of potential for water quality impacts, then I'd really start being worried about what could happen further downstream. And as you mentioned, further downstream, we have the Camas National Wildlife Refuge um, where there's kind of a, a lot of like wetland style habitat. And then the Eastern Snake Plain Aquifer, which Camas Creek actually runs into the ground basically um, and recharges that aquifer. Um, and that aquifer provides drinking water to over 300,000 Idahoans um, in southern Idaho. Uh, it's a really critical resource and it's already being impacted by agricultural pollution from across the southern Idaho. And so the last thing we need is to add mining pollution to that mix as well. Sounds like it. Yeah. And you can learn more about the Snake River um, aquifer on ICL's website. We have a whole campaign to clean up the Snake River. And so, like you said, Josh, some of those more further downstream effects are more like the longer term concerns that ICL and, and Greater Yellowstone Coalition has on this Kilgore project. And so I want to know what part of the process we are in now. You know, Allison was talking in depth about the EA, which is the environmental assessment. And Josh, you mentioned that there had sort of been a previous iteration of this, this assessment. And so where are we now? And then where have we been? And what are the next steps on the part of the Forest Service for how this project proposal could proceed and how the public can be kept in the loop with, with how these decisions are being made? And so I think I'm going to pitch that to Josh first, and then Allison, 
you know, a gold mine doesn't just appear overnight. Uh, there's kind of a lot of steps, both in terms of what a mining company will do to get to that point, and also what regulating agency, in this case, the Forest Service, has to do to get to that point. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, gold exploration has been occurring in this area for decades now, but it's these current op operators, Exelon and Otis, um, that have seemed a lot more serious about looking for gold in this area. And so they've already had one permitted phase of exploration uh, back in 2014, um, where they drilled some holes, uh, found that there was gold there, um, confirming you know, earlier drilling, um, and are now wanting to expand that in another um, proposal. And so interestingly enough, they proposed essentially this same proposal back in 2018. Um, and that proposal was uh, brought uh, litigation by ICL and GYC. And we were successful in federal court in stopping the exploration proposal and forcing the Forest Service to go back and basically redo their environmental analysis. And the court had found that uh, the main issues were impacts to Yellowstone cutthroat trout and an inadequate water quality baseline, you know, two issues that we're bringing up again with this proposal. So th this is uh, Otis Gold's basically redo attempt um, at permitting this next phase of exploration at the site. Um, so that's kind of what's ahead of us. Um, there'll be a comment period that's just finished on February 11th. Um, and then we'll see where that goes from there in terms of how the Forest Service um, proceeds with their permitting. But there's also a long game here in that, you know, the reason the company is exploring for gold is because they want to quote unquote develop a resource. And basically, if they can prove that there's enough gold in the ground there, then investors will help financially support that company and they will go all the way and build a open pit cyanide heap leach gold mine. That's something that the company has publicly stated to investors. And so if that were to be the case, um, they would have to go through a whole nother round of extensive permitting uh, with the Forest Service with you know, additional opportunities for public comment. Um, but it's important that everyone stay involved at every step of the process because once you're already at the point of a, a full-on gold mine being proposed, the train has almost left the station already. Um, and we would like to influence these proposals and stop bad things from happening uh, before it even gets to that point. Allison, um, would you like to add anything about this process and sort of where where we are now? Sure. Um, I think Josh did an excellent job explaining our history of involvement with this project to date. Um, and so now we're really in a situation where uh, we have this new draft environmental assessment and we're looking for the Forest Service to comply with the judge's order uh, and the court's decision from our previous court case, ICL and GYC versus the Forest Service. Um, so we're hoping that the Forest Service did in fact gather, consider, and disclose all the additional information about water quality impacts, about Yellowstone cutthroat trout impacts, um, and that this draft EA does in fact take a harder look at the likely effects of Exelon's uh, mineral exploration activities. And we're also hoping that um, through this process, as we move through developing and analyzing this draft environmental assessment, 
and eventually reaching some sort of agency decision. We're hoping that the Forest Service, you know, first develops at least one more or several more alternatives to Exelon's proposal. So we'd like to see a, a wide range of alternatives here. That's really the heart of any NEPA analysis. And NEPA is the National Environmental Policy Act. Um, we're hoping that the Forest Service puts forth and supports alternatives that comply with the mandates of their own forest plan and other governing documents like the Northern Rockies Links Management Direction, which is applicable to this area. And then we're also hoping to see that the Forest Service requires things like additional best management practices, avoidances, monitoring and mitigation measures that would minimize environmental harm from mineral exploration activities associated with the proposed project. And I think I mentioned this before, but it's worth saying again, we hope that the Forest Service at least prepares a revised or supplemental EA and maybe even prepares an environmental impact statement that really does take a hard look at the likely effects of Exelon's proposal. Thank you both for your expert knowledge on this proposal and for sharing with our listeners all of this really important information. And before we sign off, I want to hear from both of you a memorable experience you have both had in the Centennial Range. As we've talked about today, this is a very special place. It's it's important for wildlife, for water quality, for recreation, for the local community in Clark County. And so I know both of you have experienced um, this, this natural landscape, and I'd love for you to share with our listeners just a memorable experience you've had in, in this place. So when I think back on all the times I've had the great fortune to visit this area of the Targeting National Forest, I think the the elements of those experience that really stand out to me are the beauty of the centennial range and the real solitude that it offers for folks who enjoy it the quiet that is there the lack of pollution from light or industry that is there is just really unparalleled, even for Idaho, which has incredible public lands and natural resources. But the Centennials are a really specially untouched place. And so when I think about having spent time there, I think about the quiet, I think about the solitude, I think about the natural beauty that is there. And um, I'm just always brought back to the fact that this is just really isn't the right place for a mine. Yeah, Allison, I would uh, I would agree with a lot of you said there. I mean, this area in the Centennial Range, it really feels like uh, the West, uh, you know, before it got developed in a lot of ways. Um, the times I've spent out there, um, also been struck by not only the natural beauty, but just how undeveloped it is. Um, and how much wildlife there's out there. Uh, one time in particular, I went out there um, with a gentleman from Idaho Falls who knows the area very well. Um, and we had been exploring kind of 
the project area a little bit, seeing where they proposed to drill and things like that. Um, and then we drove a little bit south um, into the what's called Camas Meadows, so right where uh, West Camas Creek comes out of the mountains and starts going in these braided streams. You're kind of out in the sagebrush uh, plains and you're looking up uh, just north to the Centennial Range where uh, the gold mining is proposed. Um, and we were standing at the site of a battle in the late 1800s between the Nez Perce tribe and uh, the United States Army. Um, and there's a bit a uh, small memorial there at the site uh, kind of commemorating that historical event. Um, and while we were out there, there was a massive thunderstorm rolled in, just uh, booming everywhere. Um, and it was just kind of in awe of the place of being somewhere, um, you know, looking as far as the eye could see, just yeah, be, being part of nature there. Amazing. Thank you both for sharing that. I think that helps sort of ground us in, in how special this place is and the way that it has impacted um, the two of you and many, many others. So before we leave, I want to let you all know that you can learn more about the Kilgore Project on both the Idaho Conservation League and Greater Yellowstone Coalition websites. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, you can look in the description of this episode and find a lot of different links on our websites and further resources about this project. And we hope that you sign up for our email list so that you can stay in the loop with any updates that we have um, as this process continues. And with that, I want to say thank you to Allison and Josh for joining us on the Wild Idaho podcast today and for sharing all their knowledge about the Kilgore Project. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks, Anna. Thank you for having us, Anna. Headwaters by Gretchen Henderson. Storms chase up the valley and rattle the earth. Summer to winter, dawn to dusk, weather and light in the big sky over the Centennial Valley cannot help but shift the rhythm of a heartbeat. Nicknamed the Serengeti of North America, the Centennials are part of the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Situated over one of the largest volcanic hotspots on the planet, the valley is dynamic as its underground crucible, as vulnerable as the Red Rock Lake's wildlife refuge that famously protected a small group of trumpeter swans to prevent the species' extinction. Over 240 bird species migrate through the area, around lakes, along fish-spawning streams and up ridgelines, grizzly bears, wolves, moose, elk, red fox, antelope, and other creatures roam as reminders that humans are a small part of a larger whole. In a place as remote as the Centennials, a person is aware of interdependence. Year-round and seasonal residents have different livelihoods, but share stakes in the valley. Over decades, Creative partnerships have developed, formally and informally, to care for each other and for the ecosystem. The complex relationships make even a short-term visitor aware of their interdependence with places farther afield. One summer, I lived for a month in the shadow of the Centennial Mountains, 
thanks to an artist residency at the Taft-Nicholson Center for Environmental Humanities. In Lakeview, I met land managers, environmental scientists, range riders, ranchers, teachers, and others who converge in that living ghost town of rehabbed cabins near public lands, cattle ranches, abandoned homesteads, and an old cemetery along an unpaved road that once served as a stagecoach route crisscrossing Native American trails. Over summers, researchers from the Nature Conservancy count birds. That season, I saw birds anew, remembering how they cross continents and follow migration patterns set in motion aeons ago. Hearing bird songs is like listening to different languages. Looking at birds as near descendants of dinosaurs may be the closest thing we have to looking into the eye of time. One evening brought a herd of 200 elk. Another evening, a storm washed the sky with a double rainbow spattered by sun and too many birds to count. On a hike, a geologist pulled ash from a creek bed and said it once topped the peak where Crater Lake now lies in Oregon. Elsewhere in the valley lie the headwaters of the Missouri River. When I touch the headwaters, I realize that same water may travel to the Gulf of Mexico. To imagine the reach of this place and the ripple effects of what starts here requires care to follow a meandering course. Remote from human centers, places like the Centennials may seem isolated, impervious to injuries like extractions, but their biodiversity may keep all of our hearts pulsing, air oxygenating, water streaming, replenishing resources farther afield. As the world is torn apart, what ripple effects might happen when communities near and far pull together to protect the volatile and vulnerable wonders of our planet. I am so grateful to both Gretchen and Lauren for sharing their beautiful pieces of writing with the Wild Idaho podcast and lending their voices to advocate for this very special place that's currently threatened by gold exploration. Um, so thank you so much, Lauren and Gretchen, for sending over recordings of your, your beautiful pieces. And I also want to thank Josh and Allison for joining me today. I really um, have enjoyed making this episode. If you haven't, if you can't tell, I really, really enjoyed making this episode with Josh and Allison and working with both Gretchen and Lauren to bring their voices to the Wild Idaho podcast. Thank you so much to our listeners for joining us for another episode of the Wild Idaho podcast. Please take a look at all of the resources that are in the description of this episode, which include further information on both of the authors that were featured in today's episode, as well as further reading and resources about the Kilgore Project. Again, thank you all for, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>